baseball fans. BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM Swing for the Fences free to play game. Pick any area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM Sports account to get started. Then visit your promotion section to access the Swing for the Fences free to play game. You'll score a prize if you hit a single, double, triple, or home run. There's nothing more exciting than going yard. So swing for the fences with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on the market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. What's going on? You are listening to Talk About Gay Sex. I'm your host, Steve Rodriguez, here in New York City, with my sidekick, co-host, Steve Carpenter. How are you doing? Good. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Um, Rainy afternoon in New York. Yeah, it's kind of sucky. It's yucky. Exactly. As we enter Memorial Day weekend, the kickoff of summer for a lot of people. Where everyone goes to Fire Island. Exactly. Or the Hamptons, or the Jersey Shore, or wherever people go. Exactly. Um, Last weekend, though, it was beautiful, and I got to go do the AIDS walk, which was pretty cool. That's right. Yeah. And... um, it was there was the walk was great. They Kathy Griffin at the end, she's hilarious. Do you like her? Oh I do, yes. She's great. She, she did like a stand up and a lot of the girls from um, uh, drag race were on. And so they did oh, number awesome. after number with their pancake makeup on, you know, melting and so it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Um, so but one of the things there was a flyer that I got that interested me. It said, um, do you need a recharge? And it's produced by the um, a new health and wellness program for users of crystal meth. Like, want to learn how to use crystal meth safely? Have you ever heard of that? No. I know. It's the, it's a recharge is an open, sex-positive, safe space. And this is, they were passing it out. And come in and learn how, learn about safer crystal meth use and explore a strategy, strategy that works for you. Uh, recharge occurs every Tuesday and Thursday. I thought that was so. That's a interesting. Odd. Yeah, like we're. Promo- I mean, I don't. I don't. You know, whatever people want to do, you know, they're they're going to do. But you know, and I mean, it almost sounds kind of like a, you know, like a you know, a, a needle replacement program or something like that. But unless it's, they it's, just it's don't want odd. people to uh, OD and, and like if you're going to do it, we can't stop you. But mm. here's how to do it safely. If, there's, yeah, if once, that's even yeah, such an oxymoron, yeah. But once you do it, then you're like, hey, fuck this, I'm going to have some more. You know, it's just so I don't. Yeah, I don't I know. I'm curious. It, it's an interesting. Like I secretly want to go to but, one of these meetings just to kind of see what they're. Yeah. <laughs> what what would go on and and I don't know. Maybe I'll do an interesting under, undercover thing. Undercover, you know thing. what I mean? Because I always want to be like this secret undercover agent. And so yes, so I know. So yeah. But more importantly, today I'm really excited for our guest today. Uh, he is the author of a book that you and I both read, right? Uh, Ghost of Saint Vincent. His name is Tom Eubanks. Tom, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here thank and writing this me. book. That, well, thank you for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much. We, um, Steve and I both read the book, yeah. and um, Steve in particular has lived in uh, the, the West. Well, first of all, we should talk about what the book is about. Um, in general, um, it was um, the ghosts of St. Vincent sort of uh, says it all in, in a nutshell. Now it's sort of a, um, a high-rise... Luxury housing. 
luxury, luxury housing. housing. Which I've noticed downtown, they don't call it luxury housing anymore. They call it gracious living. You'll notice. Yes. They've stricken all the luxury and they call it not gracious. Right. What's gracious about it? <laughs> yeah, there's nothing gracious in New York. I mean, there's, I mean, this is pretty gracious, but there's nothing that's wide and big and gracious in New York, right. especially down there because everything's on those little everything's, cow paths. Everything's right. tiny in right. the village, but, right. which, is, which is fine, and that's part of the charm of it, but... What's great about so, the book um, is not only do you tell your own personal story, and we'll definitely get into that, your time on the seventh floor, uh, which was the AIDS, um, what did they call it, actually? The, they never really called it the AIDS ward. It was, called the, it was just called the seventh floor, the sevens. Everyone had their sevens. own name for it, but mm-hmm. I mean, it was unofficially the AIDS, because it was a Catholic hospital, and they didn't want to have an AIDS ward, so it was no. a big fight. Wow. So they finally just, putting them all on one floor at first was kind of discriminatory, just to keep everyone in one place, and then it became, obviously kind of smart because then you'd have the same kind of nurses who could handle that kind of traumatic stuff well initially too it was it was you know they, they didn't know a lot about the infection so they were also trying to isolate initially of course yeah. but I, i'm trying to i i always have it in my head it was that the sixth floor was it did it start on the sixth floor then they moved it to seven or see that i can't or, the thing or is, am i just off on my numbers which is possible I, yeah i, I the, so. they, they might have the thing is there was it, there was a time unfortunately where it was so such a huge epidemic that they yeah. might have spilled over you know what yeah now i think i I think maybe that's what i think it was it was seven and then they had a they had a spill over i'm sure and the the other thing is too that it it started each of the the saint vincent's um was was just a series of buildings that were all connected and eventually it would just it would be like the raskob building and then the smith building and then the click so it basically took the seventh floor of every building wow you know across the whole hospital um so. What's great about the book, too, is not only is it not your, just your story, but you interweave all these tales and stories that I guess you did interviewed a lot of people of their of different, if you will, I'm using air quotes, right. ghosts that have come into almost like checked into this sort of yeah, well, hospital or hotel, almost like the Chelsea Hotel. Um, you interweave them through intermix with your own story, which I found fascinating um, going back from years to celebrities that have been in there, um, Ed Koch, um, there's been a lot, but how did you get these stories? Or When the hospital was coming down, in the beginning I say, you know, I walked past, when I lived down in the West Village near mm-hmm. Steve here, um, I would, you know, walk by it every day, just as I'm sure you have, and just, just flabbergasted by the fact that there was this place that saved my life that so many people I know suffered and, mm-hmm. and died in, but also were saved and, you know, just... Just it had so much history, and the neighborhood really needed it. Um, yes, and to and see still it, does, and still does. Yeah, yeah. sadly, still does. Because I mean, I, heaven forbid something happens downtown again, like nine eleven. Where do those people go? You know, yeah, Beth right. Israel is not equipped. You know, they no. have to go to St. Luke's or just you know all. This. So, um, seeing it come down, um, I just what, one thing that got me was um, I remember there was a sun, there was a plaque always out in front where the incinerator was that triangle building which is now the park there mm-hmm. and the AIDS memorial and right exactly you talk about that memorial yeah. we'll talk more about that but yes <laughs> and um, and uh, and on that spot there used to be a plaque which I've actually put up on my Instagram account of of, of plaque that says on this spot Edna um, Saint Vincent Millay the poet's uncle was saved he was saved at Saint Vincent's his life was saved he mm-hmm. was brought back to life. And that got me thinking. And then, first of all, that plaque was taken as soon as everyone said St. Vincent's for sale. People came along and started taking plaques. And, you know, they tried yeah. to take out the cornerstone of the hospital. Of course. It was nuts. So that plaque went. And then I started thinking, that's what this is. I mean, whatever they do to commemorize, commemor- uh, memorialize this hospital um, isn't going to last. Because, and I even say that at one point with Vito Russo, where he talks about, you know, the tr- what, mm-hmm. what was at the triangle at one point through time. And um, so I decided in order to really make a memorial, I had to 
you know, just research stories like that, somehow I had a feeling there would be more, and there were. The Sidney Lumet story is true. Wow. You know, mm-hmm. he and Gloria Vanderbilt um, had a fight, and he took too many martinis with a mill town and mm-hmm. passed out, and he woke up with Lena Horne's daughter's <clears throat> arms in St. Vincent's after they pumped his stomach. Yeah. Wow. And then, you know, Vito Russo was, was also there. So I kind of made up that story a little bit to give it a little bit of joy because sure. it was a sad ending for him, of course. Mm-hmm. And Robert Maplethorpe um, spent his time on the seventh floor as well. Um, uh, and uh, Sam Wagstaff did as well, so I have that story in there. And the Ed Koch Ramones piece was something that I kind of put together. They both were there in 1983. I, yeah, the lead singer of the Ramones. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, Joey Ramones. I think Johnny Ramone was hit by a bottle, so he's the one that comes in on the stretcher with the green you know, bottle glass in his hair. Right. And Joey Ramone is the one that approaches Ed Koch at the end of the story and kind of mm-hmm. gives it a twist. Wow. Which is true, because I researched that, and I thought, how would Ed Koch, <laughs> if he met the Ramones at St. Vincent's in the ER which they didn't for all I know, but yeah. what if they did? And I did the research and I found, oh, it actually surprised me. It was not the result, and that's why the story has that twist at the end because it, it was not what I expected mm-hmm. the reaction would be. There's other touching stories, too, of people that weren't even famous. There's one um, uh, Jim and Diego story. I don't, mm. I'm not sure if that that's was true. true. I mean, that's based yeah. on Diego Vanales, who was a true oh. victim of, of, the, of the early... Uh, yeah. 1970, this was three years after Stonewall. The police were still raiding bars. It's not really talked about. I don't think Stonewall was the line. And, in then, everything and then everything changed. Yeah, no, no, it didn't. They were still raiding bars in the 6th right. Precinct on 10th Street, um, which was just around the corner from St. Vincent's also. And so also Diego- known as Fort Bruce. Oh, is that really Fort Bruce? <laughs> is that well, what you call it? Because that's where all the, well, well, it got the nickname Fort Bruce because, so, you know, the, the gay police officers wanted to work in the 6th Precinct because it was in the West Village. Is there so. where the gay officers action league started? Goal? Remember there was Goal? I, I, yes, yes. And sure I, there's still there. something around of that sort. But, yeah, and uh, yeah, I think it originated down there, yeah. but I can't really quote it. I so. I'm sorry. I took no, no, this no, off. No, no, no. no, 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 no. We, we went off to a different branch No, here, because so. it, show, I mean, it shows how far the police have come because at this time in 1970, this guy, Diego, and I tell the story because I try to also, so I, I didn't kind of try to, but it just happened because the hospital was, was started to treat immigrants. You know, mm-hmm. it was because it was founded by the Sisters of Charity right. to take care of indigent immigrants. And that's such a topical issue. I didn't plan that. It just right. kind of happened. That, and I right. realized how, you know, I mean, Fresh and- we're an immigrant city and that was an immigrant and the neighborhood was immigrant. And now it's all luxury condos, so it's that twist that America's right. making too, where we'd rather be luxury condos than immigrants. You know? Yeah, yeah. it's it's a, such it's, a touching, sad story that um, listeners, I hope you read because it really it's, it's really good. actually it was yeah. it made me cry actually at the oh, end of it, partly yeah. because it really parallels what's going on today with immigration and then obviously... Because right, his big fear is not, oh, they've arrested me because I'm gay and they've rounded all of a sudden. It's just, oh my God, they're going to throw me out of the country and I'll never see my mm-hmm. lover again. Right. Exactly. Right. You know? Exactly. exactly. Yeah. It's a so, so. But yeah, I mean, just in, in reading the book, I mean, I, I've i lived in the apartment, the apartment I'm in on Jane Street now for, since 1990, that's I moved in there. So, and I was around New York before then, obviously, too. Uh, but... You know, I know the, I know some of the people you're talking about. I know the area. You know, I know the bars you're talking about. Yeah, and it was talk, I wanted to talk it, about it was really interesting because that. it's just you know it, it brought back a lot of the haunts for me. You know, the ghosts. You know, ghosts of St. Vincent exactly. brought back some exactly. haunts for me because I knew. You know, I, I would go to St. Vincent's on a regular basis to see people. You were there usually once or twice a week. You know, mm-hmm. oh, did you hear so and so got admitted? Oh, okay, well, I better go. You know, I better go see him because you never knew if they were going to come home or not. Right. right. You know. You paint such so, a vivid picture of what yes. it was like in the village. Yeah. Um, this for, um, from the 80s to the 90s is kind of what yeah. you sort of talk about. Right. And I know some of the bars you list and 
Because uh, I like came here in 85. Yeah. 85, okay. Boy Bar was the place yeah. to Boy go Bar? if you were brave enough. That was the thing. I remember Where was, was that? This, uh, I was 18 and a half St. Mark's was the actual address. 18 and a half, 18 and a half St. Mark's. St. Mark's. Yeah. Yeah, and wow. the, the guy who ran it, I write in the book, uh, was named uh, Paul McGregor. Um, I'm sure he's still around. He was, uh, but he was a straight guy, heterosexual guy, um, and he was rumored to be the inspiration for. He was a hairdresser, and he was rumored to be Warren Beatty's inspiration for shampoo, or one of them, because oh, wow. he was just this total ladies' man. And yeah. he had this space, and he brought in um, Matthew Caston and said, you know bring your drag queens in and do it up. And they had this illegal dance floor downstairs, and okay. and it was where you know you I mean you'd see like I mean. Mark Jacobs was there, and but these were people before they were they were there. Now it was really right. like, uh-huh. and, but it was very intimidating that way because you'd go, you couldn't go in in white tennis shoes or something. I was going to say, was it a seedier type of bar? It was, or? it was, it was a, it was half fashion bar, half twink oh. bar, uh, with the right. most amazing drag queens ever. I mean, wow. RuPaul started there, there uh-huh. in Pyramid, well, Pyramid nice. really, but she yeah. did a lot of shows there. Uh, Bunny did a lot of shows there. Um, they had their own stock of Kakani girls started there, uh, who I write about, Deandra, Princess Deandra, uh, Glamour. They were so amazing. Let's talk about some of the sexy bars back in the day. Like Uncle Charlie's, was that one? (laughs) Well, Uncle Charlie's was kind of a pretty boy bar. (laughs) Pretty boy bar, okay. It was a pretty boy bar. Pretty boy Um, bar, got it. And it was convenient for me because it was was within stumbling distance of my house. Yeah, it was a a pickup bar. It was really just a a pickup bar. Um, It was was a pickup bar. Yeah, it was pretty easy. But the thing is that, I mean, the sexy part was really over, I mean, in the meat market down in those, it's funny because those people eat in those restaurants now. And I'm just like, if you only knew what was going on in those kitchens. Downstairs. Wow, wow. Oh, I know. The old. And I, mean, I can't believe you worked at. Um, um, Florent. Florent. Florent, yeah. I, yeah. I used to do the menu boards. I got yeah. to interview him um, when I first moved here. My sister and I uh, interviewed Florent, and it, it was towards the end of when the restaurant was going to close, but I was so fortunate uh, that I got to see him. such Florent, a sweetheart. Florent being this all night, uh, for those people that don't know, it was this all night cap- like diner French yeah, bistro. Yeah, twenty four French 24 bistro. Hour. It was it was like an art installation. But it was, I mean, it, it, was just, the, it was the original restaurant that inspired the meatpacking district. Totally. Because there was nothing else over there. You know, but you could go in there at five in the morning after you know being out drinking with with your friends, and Madonna was there, and JFK Jr. was there, drag queens, drag queens, models. and anything, and anything. Yes, you could see models Club eating. Kids. You could actually see models eating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. But yeah, you'd see, you'd find anything in between. So, and they, no one cared who you were. Yeah, yeah, it was or who very you democratic. Were. It wasn't. Yeah. it was never like, oh, Johnny Depp's here. You can't have a table. It was exactly. Like, here, have a table right here. Yeah, sit here, sit down. Yeah, exactly. sit down. Wow. You know, or or you know, someone will walk in. You know, as famous as they know, well, get in line. Yeah. You know? yep. yeah. And in that so, meatpacking area, and or what's known kind of towards the West Side Highway, which now, of course, is like a park and people are running mm-hmm. Highline, yeah, Highline, yep. Highline. all that. Um, you back in the day, the you talk a little bit about how, um, like maybe there'd be a car from New Jersey, and and people kind of the DL kind of guy would be. Right. And so, t- talk a little bit about that. I mean, did you ever <laughs> like hook up with some of those guys, or well, were you too great, scared to? No, I'm thi- no, not at all. What I'm thinking, of, <laughs> no, what I'm thinking of now is because we were just talking earlier before we started here the above of the, the Eagle and the Spike and all mm-hmm. those places on on the West Side Highway. Right. Um, the old, the original Eagle. Those were right. fun. Yeah, and on 22nd, and then Tracks would be down the street, and Zone Decay was down the street. Zone so Decay, you'd right. go to Zone Decay and get a sex show, and then go over to Tracks and hear some amazing music, or see Gwen Guthrie perform, mm-hmm. or you know, I mean, wow. it was amazing. And and and, and it wasn't, you know, because there were enough people there partying that it wasn't dangerous, but it wasn't like girls in miniskirts throwing up on the cobblestones. It was still, right. still it's still like it yeah. is now. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Nice, um, nice. And it was really fun. And, and it's funny because uh, uh, one of my friends, Jojo, uh, um, 
uh, he, 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 we lived on 17th Street at the time, and on 22nd Street, we called Doodle Street because there's this park, St. Nicholas Park, I think it's called, or Clement, Clark, Clement Clarkmore Park over on 22nd Street where it's like a kid's playground now. Oh, right, but right. But that <laughs> was the spot because it was, was Doodle busy. Park. You'd go in there after, like 4 a.m. when the bars are 3.30, when yep. last call, wow. people didn't get home. They were in the bushes. They were in the, yep. it was... Yeah. Well, and 20th Street, too, because 20th Street was right around the corner oh, yeah. from the Eagle. And you could jump over the monastery gates and go in there. I had, I had, oh, yeah. I had a nice fling up in the, mon- well, up in the monastery. Even between garden. cars, even people would say, oh, you know, yeah, yeah. they would, yeah. on our other show that we did with Bob Burr, it was any saying, like, you could just walk up one of them, up and down those streets yep. and find. <laughs> We're desperate. I mean, but 20th yeah. Street, was 20th, well, 20th no Street was right around the corner from. To. True, right. You, know, there right. Wasn't, you couldn't go home and, like, call Get up for Grinder. I mean, they do that in the bars now, which I just find. Yeah. I've gone to the, last time I went to the Eagle. Know how to People talk to each other. Oh, yeah, on their phones yeah. on Scruff. And it was like, you know, I was really he's inside you now, you know. He's the only thing yeah. about that, somebody pointed out to me the only thing about that is sometimes um, you might find somebody in the bar that's like, you know, five feet away and then might meet them that way that you might not have noticed. And so I was like, okay, let me look at it in a different light. Oh, but yes, yeah. in general. Then everyone should have a headshot, I guess. Just you walk around right. with your headshot. This is, a, yeah. this is another way. Here's I my headshot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, This is how I prefer to be. Lo- <laughs> this is how I prefer to look. Exactly, exactly. You, t- you grew up in Chicago, right? I did, I did. I spent, um, I, came here in eight, I came here at 18 to go to NYU and okay. never went back. God, you talk uh, a lot about um, growing up and what it was like um, with your family, your father, and um, he would take you and your, I guess, your brothers to see certain films. And one film you talked about that I had to look up was called The Ritz. Oh yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, and, and you have you seen it? Have you? Well, I just watched I the trailer, it. but I kind of can't we watch it, please? I have it. I have it on my iPhone. But it was basically a take on the bathhouse. Oh yeah, like yeah. Gay bathhouse. Yeah, it was but a Broadway was, play that they made into a movie, and it was right. and the author was actually a professor of mine at NYU. And I can't think of his name. Which is um, horrible. Um, he's yeah. He writes yeah. a lot of Broadway he stuff. Lot, yeah, he did. I think, think he did. Uh, I think he did Master Terrence McNally. Terrence McNally. Yeah. Oh, Terrence McNally. He wrote the play. He wrote. Yeah, he wrote the book because it was a musical. Thing. It was. A, was it? I mean, the movie no. wasn't, but it might have been on Broadway. Let's go. No. It was a better it book. Be. It, was not, it was not a musical. Actually, it should it be a musical. Happened. Doesn't Scott Whitman live over there? Let's bring it back. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. <laughs> talk to them. That actually should be a musical. Yeah. Because Rita Moreno, that Rita Moreno character is totally like a Bette Midler ripoff. Well, they show a lot of her in the trailer. You know, when trailers back in the day were yeah. like, you know, treat ten Williams. minutes. Yeah. I mean, so I got to see a lot of yeah. it in the. Well, I mean, Rita Moreno. She and when she was interviewed about this, she talks about and says, "Well, I." says, I talk like I did when I arrived here. So she's got this really thick Puerto Rican accent. And then she's the performer at the bathhouse, like Bette Kinda Midler like was. Bette Midler, right, and right. she sings, everything's coming out, roses for me and for a Jew. Losses. And it's hysterical. It I mean, I've, it's We've got to watch it. And Treat Williams has that voice. Because he's yeah, Williams, Williams, Williams talks is, you know, like this. He's like 21, 22, just, just yeah. stunning. And then he, when he talks, he's got this really high-pitched voice. It's really I funny. Like mine. So as like, a, can I have a room? So when what? your father <laughs> took you to see this, were, I mean... Was he horrified, or Not when you were point, excited, no. or no? I see at that point because I write about the, the the moment that I remember we saw a movie that was really beyond the pale for the audience. Apparently, was Death Trap. Um, oh. This the one that really because we went to see the Ritz, and I don't remember there being any because I don't think I don't think men kiss each other in that, and I think that was the issue. Right. I think no. people could get around of the fact that it was. They might, uh, they'd be in towels, uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, it was European, be in towels. I guess. Yeah, there it, was, it, was like, all, it was suggestive. It was yeah. suggestive, it wasn't, right. And Rita Moreno yeah. was like the star, so there were enough women not to alienate you, but dear, you know, that, that scene Rita in Moreno Death Trap. Rita Moreno and Tom Weston and... Uh, um, oh, There's and, another actress in it, too, who I can't think of now. Uh, Rita Moreno, Tom, oh, uh, Kay Ballard, Kay Ballard. Okay. was in it. And then, um, I'm trying to think who was the... Uh, um, I can't think of the guy's name now. 
And I think the protagonist is straight, and he's caught in a gay bathhouse, so it's almost acceptable because he's not gay himself. His father-in-law and his 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 father-in-law's family are are mafia, and they want to kill him because that was the father's you know dying wish. So he's hiding in a place where no one would ever think to find him. (laughs) So he hides out in a gay bathhouse in New York. It looks farcical, like very yeah. It is. The stage play was much more farcical than the film. Okay. Uh, and a lot of did, slamming doors, the slamming That type of thing, yeah. yeah. They, uh, and they, they revived it a couple of years ago, which didn't do very well. Like but. the West Side Club, a night um, at the West Side Club. Oh, yeah. Is that even still there? It's the still West Side there. Club yeah. is, yeah, is on the East Side Club. East Side Club yeah. is still there, too. Is it still there, too? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, wow. some of the old So house. we hear. Exactly. So our friends tell us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's what I've been told. That's what I've been told. Right, right. <laughs> um, but... We should talk a little bit about when, you know, you first got diagnosed and you talk about this in the book extensively. And yeah. when, um, you had had friends that, um, you know, obviously had been in St. Vincent's mm-hmm. or... And Beth Israel and, and Beth other Israel. places too, yeah. yeah. Um, and St. I Vincent's was, was a matter of proximity. It was really a matter of where, you, yeah, where you lived. St. Luke's for the Upper West Side. And right. I found it interesting too when um, you learned that you uh, you were going to have a baby with like yeah, a, a yeah, lesbian. I was, yeah, I was at Florent. I wish, and it was. I mean, if I was going to find out, if you're going to find out that you're positive anywhere in the world, then I recommend you find out working for a positive boss. Because I mean, oh, Florent was positive, oh, famously. Yeah. Okay. He was very out and still yeah. is. He's still a survivor. I mean, he's a survivor, not still, but mm-hmm. he. Um, he actually on the menu boards we would put his T cell count. And it was this number that would bob up and down. And so when people came out to me actually later on, you know, up until the restaurant closed, when people would come out to me who knew because I was very upfront about it and I'd gone through the hospital so people knew I was had 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 problems and or not problems but had issues with it and I was positive they would come to me and say you know what can I do I haven't even spoken to my boyfriend or my family yet Um, and I would take them there and I'd say see those numbers on the board those are your T cells you can't get obsessed with them because they'll go from 400 to 800 to 200 to 300 wow Mm -hmm. you know it just did, did, it, freak, did it freak some people out, or was, or no, was it, it kind of? No, it made it a little more accessible. It made it more really? like, yeah, they just they did it. It wasn't. I think it was the easier way to do it as opposed to. Well, and because he published it and he showed that it was all over the map, you know, it didn't freak people out as much because you know if you go to the doctor and you know one day it's four hundred and then you know two months later you know you're at two hundred, it's like oh my god, I'm dying, right. you know. And I had two at one point. So, I found out I was because oh, yeah, so Adam one, of the, one of the chefs, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm in Castello. I called him. Um, I was going to, I was working one day at Florent and the chef on duty, Mary Lou and her new girlfriend were talking about having a kid. I said, oh, that's really fantastic. You know, that's great. And they're like, yeah, we just need to find a donor. And they said, would you want to do that? And I thought, that's fantastic. That, you know, Had you thought about wanting to have no, kids? No, not really. But as I thought about it, I thought that's actually a perfect way. Because I, yeah, I, 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 I like prefer- kids, but I just don't want to have one around all the time. Right. And so this would be the best way to have a kid. It really and, would be, yeah. Yeah, and not have the responsibility. So, um, and I really liked them and, and you know, I thought it was, a cool idea, you know, and I was, whatever, and I said, sure, let's do it. And then Lisa, her girlfriend, later on said, okay, let's, you got to get tested again. And I was like, okay, I was just tested up at the Ninth, at the ninth Avenue Health Center place, you know, and, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, let's go out to Jersey, because here in New York at the time, you had to give a name. Okay, you right. Had to, you couldn't do it anonymously. Mm-hmm. And so uh, people would either give, like, Mickey Mouse. I gave Nancy Reagan as my name. <laughs> yeah, I love <laughs> that. That's great. A lot of people, I mean, a lot of people did that. It wasn't, because I worked it out week at time, and everybody did that. They said, just say you're Nancy Reagan. So, you know, so everyone said Nancy Reagan. So. Wow, wow. So there must have been a lot of false positives because really, we were all Nancy Reagan, so I don't know how they coordinated who was who. But I went out to New Jersey, and that way you could do it anonymously. And I kind of had a feeling um, going out because there'd been, you know, there'd been, there'd been times where it could happen. And, 
And, you know, who knows if that first one was real, because at the time I found out, he's, you know, they said, yeah, you're positive. Not only you're positive, but you have two T cells. So it was like wow. this. And I was otherwise healthy. I would never wow. have yeah. not they asked me. I mean, so PCP or anything could have gotten me at that point. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I did not. And I was out partying all the time. I was doing all kinds of drugs and just, you know, hanging out with, you know, just yeah. as we did. You right. Know, right. Just, yeah. You know, as we did. Trying to prolong my youth. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then, so this, you know, I remember going back and getting the results and him saying, you know, one of the first things I notice about people who are positive is that if they use cocaine, they die. That's it. If you use cocaine, it's, it, it, it accelerates the progression of the disease and you die. Wow. And that is the thing that really scared me off cocaine. And I really loved doing coke because I loved, I loved the ritual of finding it, tracking down Johnny Jammin, who's no longer with us. <laughs> Johnny, and Jammin. Johnny Jammin. And, <laughs> and if he would get his envelopes right, you'd get coke. Sometimes he'd give you K. I remember he gave his K and J's once. You know, it was but did you think it was coke? Yes, yeah, so it was 4.30 okay, in the morning. Good. It was 4.30 in the morning and me and some friends who will be not be named because they are still alive. Right. They are not ghosts. We were at Jay's, which is now a fancy restaurant. Jay's and Hangout. Jay's Hangout, yeah. And yeah. it was down in these catacombs and you could pretty much do anything you wanted. I mean, it, not that anyone did. It was really more that we were just high and drunk and didn't want to go home to our sad houses because we didn't have the computers. Like, you know, we right. couldn't go online. Of course, right. yeah. So we would hang out in these catacombs underneath Jay's and Johnny Jammin came and brought us, you know, this envelope and he, and we went and did it, you know, at big Coke size key fools. Right. And it wasn't, it was K. So oh we were stuck there. Till about, yeah. Oh my God. Oh, oh my God. And so I, yeah. That Surprised you weren't on the floor the whole time. <laughs> I was. I was. I was. I actually, and crazy and not thing the way is, he wanted to be. And again, no, I had, he wanted I had a to be. tape recorder of that night too. For some reason I was carrying one of those mini tape recorders. So I actually have a tape of me and my friend that night. Wow. After all that happened. Oh, my God. I haven't listened. I just realized I remember I have that tape, but... Um, you have to go back and listen to it now. Yeah, yeah. that's crazy. And then I go, oh, shit. <laughs> but, yeah, that, I mean, that's the kind of stuff, that's the kind of stuff that went on then, at, back then. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, Lee's Mardi Gras was across the street. Lee's Mardi Gras was where all the drag queens went to shop. Where, where you could right get a size 15 shoe. <laughs> and now that's a Sephora, ironically. Sephora, you know? of all, I know, yeah. of, of all the places. And the I place mean. that's a Kiehl's now used to be Rat Bagel. Remember Rat Bagel? It was that giant bagel store that yes. just had rats everywhere. But you were so hungry, and it was the only place well, you and, could and eat you got, the, the, the lure was on 13th Street around the Is corner. Is that yes. where... Um, so, now, so, that's, that's Bumble and Bumble now. I know. Yeah, yeah it's, it's the it's, irony of going from... It's, it's changed a couple of times. Well, I've, the one that's... I've had two experiences in, in the, uh, the meatpacking district. One of, them, one of them was going to this French restaurant with friends that just happened to be where the lure was. Uh, you know, and it's like, oh, <laughs> this looks a little different. Yeah. <laughs> Another time I went out with friends after work. And you know, we had gone to the, the beer garden over in the meatpacking district, and then we went across the street for, for Thai food, this Thai restaurant. And we walked up the stairs. They had us upstairs. And I'm like, this looks really familiar. And so we're sitting upstairs, and I'm against the wall, and I turn around and I look at the wall. Bing! I recognize it. It, it, used, to be, uh, it used to be the mine shaft. Oh, my so God. So it's like, I know this wall. <laughs> If these walls could talk, literally. And I just, I started to giggle because I'd had a couple of drinks, but I'm with a bunch of straight people from work. It's like, they're not going to know what I'm talking about. You know, and I'm not going to want to tell them most of what, what I'm remembering. You know? Yeah, right, right. Plus they're eating. Exactly. The Plus they're eating. People let them eat. So I wanted to read it. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm, like, no, I wanted to dragging that. us off again. I love that. I wanted to read a little bit um, that you wrote about... Um, 
Well, I'll just read it. It said um, on page 73, Bobby and Ken knew I made my living by dying. The city's division of AIDS services covered my rent. The Manhattan Center for Living fed me macrobiotic lunches. The gay men's health crisis provided free tickets to Broadway shows and concerts, which is cool, and then to keep me from going out of my skull. I collected disability checks from Social Security and used food stamps at the Park Slope Food Co-op. Wow. Um, that struck me so much. I mean, because did you ever think that you would, you were just, I mean, did you think that you were going to die? And this oh, yeah, is just... I never think I'd love to see 30. I did not think I'd live to see 30. I did. It was no question in my mind. Wow, yeah. And that's why the Lazarus well, story in this. Because well, because you weren't taking the AZT. You weren't no, taking I it. I refused. It's yeah, like, no, yeah. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. So there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got two T cells. He's got, you know, he's not taking anything that, you know, that will stop it. So. Yeah, your option At that point, is, yeah, there was nothing to stop no, it. There was, so, no, so AZT it was, was the only thing. feeling good to, like, want to go out and I mean, I felt, or... the thing is, I felt, I felt fine, but the thing is, part of, the, part of that whole thing was, it was such a death sentence, because at that point, I had lived in New York long enough to know that people who got it died. Mm-hmm. And I'd been, you know, I'd been to enough funerals, or I'd seen my ex-boyfriend you know, go to enough funerals and things like that. And so, for me... It, Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick any area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM Sports account to get started. Then visit your promotion section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. You'll score a prize if you hit a single, double, triple, or home run. There's nothing more exciting than going yard. So swing for the fences with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on the market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. It was just, it's going to happen, so let me have, let me have a little bit of quality so I stopped working at the restaurant and I figured I'll go on the dole because it's just mm-hmm. like that's what people did at the time and so when you did that you also had to kind of you had to do visits and stuff so you'd go in and right. you'd be a little sicker so in your head you were sick so right. you kind of you know by the living that life you, and... yeah you were sick you know right. and you had to call and do check-ins and stuff and and then you know I eventually did get sick but but at that point I was doing like you know I had gone macrobiotic and I was you know running 16 miles a day and I was just doing everything to excess on the other end, mm-hmm. you know, wow. because yeah. it was so terrifying. I was yeah. like, Oh, I can't do that. So now let me do all this crazy stuff. Yeah, and wow. that made me probably just as sick as the other would have been. My, my friend Mark did the same thing. I mean, he was six, three and, you know, went, went, went to the gym all the time. He had last, I knew he had 50 T cells, you know, which was a lot, you know, com- compared to most people. Uh, but again, AZT was the only thing at the time, mm-hmm. you know, and, and he had, he came down with cryptosporidium, and couldn't get rid of that. It was a parasitic infection. And that's, you know, eventually he, after two years of that, he said, I'm done. And he just stopped everything. And, wow. You know. What but, were the longest of visits that you, because um, you write a lot about actually being in St. Vincent's on the seventh floor. What was like the longest period that you were there? Because um, you kind of, months, right? Yeah, probably, probably like a month and a half was the longest period. Because that's right before they gave me the, they put a catheter in my chest and then they sent the, me home. The right. Because they needed the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah the, the, up in my chest. Yeah. And, um, and I would insert, and I would give myself these, these balls of gancyclovir out of the freezer because you had to keep them cold or you had to keep them chilled for whatever reason. And just, you know, sit there at night and just 
or tw- I think twice a day. I can't remember, but you put, put, pump it into my chest. Probably like, don't want to remember, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you, talk, yeah. you talk about that feeling of you can feel it going into your yeah, you your can vena feel that cold, yeah, going right into your cold, vena cava. That would just that would be bizarre, but it was, but, but it was you know you you thought it was working and it wasn't obviously. Well, you yeah. have to read the book to find out. Yeah, why. But, exactly. Uh, but you do vi- paint a vivid picture of yes, like what it was like on that seventh floor. And, and the reason that they gave me the 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 thing to take home and do at home was because they needed the bed. Yeah. They were right. like, if you can do this on your own and you're, you can do this get on out. your own, yeah, yeah. You, know, you can walk, get out. We need people. We need. There's people on the ER who were waiting for days to get up here. Yeah. Was, what was the story? Because if you left, they, you were, you had to start back again. Put your name on the bottom of the list to get back in. Mm-hmm. What was the story of um, a friend of yours that really wanted to see a movie that was playing? <laughs> that <laughs> oh, no, and basically the to your story. basically to yes. your point yeah. that you know you can't leave because can't they're gonna leave. if they even if they find you leaving yeah. that's it they won't even admit you back in the, and yeah. blow up doll. Yeah. He really wanted to I watch. Really wanted, yeah, I, well, because I really wanted to write about Vito Russo because he's he's just a, he's a hero of mine and he's he's called he's kind of the antithesis antithesis of Robert Maplethorpe and I have the Maplethorpe story in right. there. Mm-hmm. And I thought I need the Vito Russo story because it was, because that I was, was kind of both of those. I came as, if you will, in a Maplethorpian mode because I came here for like Warhol and drugs and nightclubs and I got mm-hmm. act up and Larry Kramer. And, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Oh, All the downtrodden. Really? Yeah, you know, yeah. and people, you know. Really? And, you know, which, which historically, okay, great. We, yeah, exactly. You know, we get props and, too, but yes. And so, you know, and then I went through what I went through and I realized, okay. <laughs> it was, God. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, you, it's, you, you painted a you painted a really good picture of what St. Vincent's was like because you know unless and unless you floor with that floor, the sounds and the, you talk a lot about the sound unless you'd been yeah. there unless you'd been there you know there's there's no way you can really understand that yeah. right you know, and everybody on that floor you know was was in critical condition and I don't know I mean those nurses were brilliant. I don't know how it's, they kept... nurses, like, you know, they should be the ones, you know, really. They're like the unsung heroes. God bless of, nurses. The teachers, the, yep. yeah. Really. Well, those nurses, I think, and I read in the book, actually, that at 9-11, um, St. Vincent's took in whatever survivors there were. Right. You know, and they specifically recruited the nurses who were on the seventh floor to come and do it mm-hmm. because they were like, you guys have dealt with trauma. You guys have dealt yeah. with wartime stuff. That's right. sort of unaffected. Exactly. But if, yeah. Wartime stuff. Exactly. exactly. That's, That's what yeah. they called them in specifically. Wow. Yeah. They were yeah. amazing people. They were amazing. I, I remember one of the nurses there was positive himself, you know, and he'd, you know, he'd flit around and, you know, big old queen. It was yeah. hysterical. He was, he was a lot of fun. He was okay. a lot of fun, but, you know, he just, hey, hey, I'm positive too, guys, you know, <laughs> so. Yeah, and my, do- my, uh, my, my doctor currently um, was, was not there as a patient, but he was, he, he, he was there a lot. So I talked to him about it, and also my dentist um, was the dentist there. Gwen Engelhart, she's an amazing dentist. She she was the dentist at St. Vincent's. And she told me this really great story, which isn't in the book, but I did write it. It's a parable, because I, I used to call them parables, but each of the short stories are like Lazarus stories, you know, because right, right. they're all about people right. being brought back to life by St. Vincent's. So there's one that's actually not in the book um, that I had to take out, because it didn't fit symmetrically, and it didn't fit right. in the book, yeah. but it's about uh, Bernie, one of Bernie Getz's victims. And it's told from his point of view how he just wanted to go and see the Christmas lights with his buddies and how this whole thing happened on the subway train, right. because she took care of his teeth. The kid that you know, the kid that survived, was in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. Right. Wow. So she talked about him. So it really that inspired me. And I, so that's still out there. That's that yeah. still exists. I'll wow. Put out one that's, post that's, one for the, that's for the that's uh, for the the uh, part two. The yeah. Part two, right. 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 Join one, your website and yeah, yeah more, you'll get more the extra. Ghosts of St. <laughs> more ghosts of St. Vincent. 
Yeah, towards the end, I, mean, I don't want to give everything away because it's you need to read the book. Yes. But you do talk well, I about do survive. You survive, obviously. Part of it is because of the cocktail that yes. you that you didn't want to get on. I did not but want to take the cocktail. Even um, you know, you talk a lot about your relationship with your um, mother, which wasn't always um, the greatest, right? Mm-hmm. And um, but she even encouraged you at one point to get on this on the cocktail, right? Yeah, because that, of just because it was on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. So she right. sent me a clipping. So I still have the clipping. Like she cut, not just sent me the the paper itself. She sent me. She cut it out. She cut yeah. the whole, and it was you know a long story with columns. So I still have it. It's just this you know like all these yeah. fingers of paper are just flitting around. It was just, and I just remember That's thinking inspirational, like, really. It is. It, it got me. It think, can be. Yeah. It got you me know. thinking a lot though because you know when people say, oh yeah, you know, you know. There's, um, you know, there's no cure, but there's, you can live undetectable and uh, like whatever if I get it type of theories. And back then I remember when the cocktail came out, it's like, you know, hallelujah type thing. But people don't realize, you know, they don't, you don't read the fine print. And it seemed like, you know, sure, it was on the Wall Street Journal and uh, that your doctor at the time, who seemed wonderful, this woman um, prescribed it, and she was happy you were going to get on it. But she didn't tell you the excruciating, like, well, they you didn't know. know. No, it just oh, came. Or out. they didn't, they didn't know, know. But it just came out. But yeah. you, you became so sick, like physically Everybody, ill. Did, but they didn't talk uh, about even that. though it might have been saving your life. Right. There was you talk about just like it's like chemotherapy because it's like people you know people take chemotherapy right, right. and that's what they thought it was you just got to suffer this to get you know the, you yeah. got to kill all that stuff to get the good stuff back you, and and, and the, just just you know keep but keep no taking one, it uh, keep taking it so it's going to be miserable for a couple of weeks going to make you sick yeah. it was just and it wasn't like you know i mean it was just you, at some point yeah you've got to wonder like is this worth it and but yeah, yeah. yeah. and then there was extra time I, I don't write about this in the book but stupidly i wanted to get onto just one pill you know, I was like, I'm tired of taking this handful of pills. I want to just do one pill. So I went to my doctor and I said, I want to do the one pill thing. I'm tired of taking the two pills. He said, well, you can't because we've done your blood work. And I guess they have now technology where they can tell which drugs work for you and which don't. Yes, yes. It's called tell. the genotype. The genotype, oh, right. They do a great. genotype do and they gen- can tell what drugs the, the virus in your body will respond to. Exactly. And again, I'm oh, still such a contrarian. I was yeah. kind of like, oh no, they, that, that's bullshit. So I'm just going <laughs> to, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to not take the drugs so that when I come in next time, he'll see that I'm still undetectable. I'll go, ha ha, I haven't been taking the drugs. Now you can give me the one, you know, you can wow. give me the thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know what was in my head. It was just, why not take, just take the freaking drugs, you know, right. but I didn't. Shut and, up and take your pills. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and it just so happened to coincide with uh, Folsom in San Francisco. And I was there with my, oh. with my boy, my new boyfriend. And we rode up in a convertible in the sun. And it was beautiful. And we were out in leather and, and partying and this and that, and that. And I got so sick as soon as we got back to L.A. at a friend's house. And then flew home and I was sick. I'd never had migraines in my life. Ooh. I'd never. I mean, all mm. these things I'd never felt before. I was right. just. I, so I basically seroconverted. By having gone off the medication, and he was just like, "What did you do? Your 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 HIV load is really high. Mm-hmm. You're gonna get my." And I told him the story. He's like, "You're an idiot. You, I told you, you can't do yep. so." Yeah. So anyone listening, do not go off your meds. No. If you're if you're <laughs> taking meds, continue to take your meds, regardless of how many pills they are. The genotype is correct. It the tells genotype you. is correct. <laughs> right. See your doctor Trust. every three three months or whatever they tell you, and you know have your have your viral load taken so you know. If you have virus in you or not, exactly. Right. So, right. I mean, yes, you have the virus. The viral load is is uh, is an indicator of how many, how much it's, how much it's breeding inside you. Right. Right. You know, essentially. And if it's breeding inside you, you can pass it on to other people. If it's not breeding inside you, meaning that your viral load is uh, undetectable, undetectable, then 
it's very, very difficult to pass it on to somebody else, and especially, like you mentioned in the book, too, if they're on PrEP. Right. That doesn't mean you should not use condoms. Exactly, because there's other things out there. However, yes. this, you know, people are going to do what they're going to do. Right. So, but know, know what you're getting into. I agree. And if I somebody agree. says, oh, it's okay, I'm not positive, you know, well. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Exactly. You talk, because um, we had a, another show called When to, uh, when to Ask, When to Tell, and our, our guest was, um, he's undetectable, but um, he talked a lot about on that show of, like, you know, when he meets somebody and, you know, when sexually, you know, when to tell them that he's positive and different reactions. And you had a, a, a story towards the end about an Israeli that you meet. At the, at the New York the, Sports Club. In the New York yes. Sports Club. And if you, if you would let me read this oh, little yeah, bit, sure. I really you, loved... You have a better voice. That was great. Would you like to do my reading on June 1st? You have I such would a love better voice. <laughs> Just be me. They haven't seen me yet. Um, you say on page 191, the Israeli and I exchanged names. I did my best to tap down any trace of desperate enthusiasm in my voice, as well as the hard-on developing in my sweatpants. He smiled warmly, leaned forward, and put his lips beside my ear. Are you clean? I was confused. Now, here, in the middle of my workout, was he OCD? I shower pretty regularly, I answered. He shook his head. His voice dropped to a whisper, are you positive? So this, would be my new, so this would be my new closet? In a society quick to condemn, being, being healthy looking and undetectable gave me another reason to hide. When I passed as a straight man, it was an instinctual mode of survival. Passing as HIV negative could be seen as criminal. And it struck me because it's, it's, it's what my other guest was talking about too, is that mm-hmm you know, that stigma, and then you go on to talk about how, um, you know, coming out as gay was nothing or compared to coming it's, out it's, as... It's another closet. closet. It's another closet yeah. that, it's another closet. you know, people well, we really... we talked about that in one of the leather things, too. You know, you come out as a gay man, and then you come out as a leather man, you know, and then if you're positive, you have to come out as a positive man, too. You know, it's, it's, it's like there's We're always, always another out. closet door somewhere. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Enough so, with the closets. <laughs> enough with the damn closets. <laughs> no more so, wire hangers. Yeah. yeah exactly. No more yeah. wire hangers. I mean, I can just imagine because it, it would be... You know, here you are. You've survived, and you are now. You Boy, know, did you survive? Feeling good, and you and you've I mean, just really. attracted this guy that's hot. He thinks you're hot, and then it's this whole you know conversation that you have to have. That yeah. could... well, because I guess it was all happening. It was also my. It was like my my check in back with uh, reality. Because you know, being out of it for six things happened so fast. Being out mm-hmm. of that scene for six months, I didn't know the terminology clean. We're saying clean now. Right. Well, and, you know, like, and you would come back into your own sexuality at that point too, because it's pretty much non-existent if you're ill. Oh, totally. Yeah. So and it, yeah. It wasn't, it, yeah, it was non-existent for a while after yeah. too. Cause yeah. you, you don't even, it's the last, cause you don't, and you don't feel sexy at all. Right. You know, right. Like, yeah, exactly. So. Interesting. Well, but you know, again too, I mean, I guess I, you see ads all over the place, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for, I'm looking for HIV negative only. It's like, okay, well, why do you ask people, you know, people will lie. Why do you even ask? Assume they're positive and assume they're positive regardless of what they say and take it from there. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah, I agree. And a question has come up um, with another guest and just in general, when you don't think you're going to live, you know, and you pretty much, I mean, you've sort of written it off. At what point, what's that like to kind of get back into the game of life again when you didn't even expect to live this long. I mean, I know now you, you're writing, you always have this, you, you're doing things, you, you found right. your way. Right, right, but right. what's that, 
give us a little insight into that because I've I've heard other people talk about it. I think Bob Burrs talked about it on another episode about mm-hmm. um, just you know there's people out there that didn't expect to live and they didn't plan financially. My, they didn't. My plan. friend Cheryl's a, is a cancer survivor exactly, and you know she she talks about it as as a post traumatic stress exactly. You know that it's she a lives with today or because you plan to die right and you plan to die. You don't know when. You know it's going to be soon. Probably, but you make plans for that, and you know. I mean, I had a lot. And you're of, told it's going to be horrible, and you're told right. it's going to be horrible. Yes. Told and, that. and what yeah. you've seen Thanks of your friends <laughs> has been horrible. Yeah. So you know, I had more friends who ran up credit card debt because they were like, "Ah, well, I'm going to be gone anyway, so I'm going to take this Fuck this it. trip yeah. to the south of France." And and remember viatical funds? Remember those? We don't have those anymore. That that, that Bobby what did that in the book. Viatical oh, yes. viatical funds were it was this was this industry that cropped up that they would basically buy people's life insurance policies if they could prove they had AIDS. Right. Wow. So, so they'd they buy would, it like, you know, 55 cents on the dollar. So right. basically, if you had a $100,000 policy, they'd give you 55,000. You'd put them down as the benefactor once you died, which they knew was guaranteed because right. you had AIDS. You know. So they'd get $100,000 and they would give you the $55,000 in cash that like you can spend now. It's like a reverse mortgage yeah. except on your body. It's wow. a reverse mortgage yeah. It's a reverse home mortgage but on your body. Yeah. And it, it's piranhas. funny because it's in the book and I have so many people yeah. say, what is viatical? And like, yeah. I've looked that up and I still can't find it. Because it, it was a thing that it's, was just yeah, it, that it was really, It was really morbid. It was, it morbid. was morbid. I mean, there, it, it provided several friends of mine with money that, yeah. they, that they really needed. Yeah, my friend yeah. Bobby you know? in the book, he did that. And that's mm-hmm. why everyone thought he was this wealthy, high-flying. Yeah, like, right. no, he had these viatical settlements that he was running through as quick and just ringing up credit cards left yeah. and right. Yeah, because he didn't expect to live. Yeah, no, and, no. I, and another thing I t- say in the book is that the, it's, it's funny because First World calls it the Lazarus Syndrome, the, what the cocktail has done, because basically... It's mm-hmm. it's all of us have gone like oh my god now we gotta pay back the bills and we gotta mm-hmm. make up with our mom and do this and do that you know do yeah. all these things we never thought we'd have right. to do right but like in third world countries it's called the Lazarus effect because it's just like I'm alive yeah I'm alive how wonderful these pills are fantastic mm-hmm. you know it's this mixed thing yeah. it's like great I'm alive oh god now great I'm alive yeah, but I, 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 st- I still got my credit card bills yeah and yeah. I still and, and I've and I've spent you know two years three years four years you know I mean just the gap on my resume how do mm-hmm. I explain that mm-hmm. prison yeah, right. would be better. You know, I'd be just saying that I went to prison falsely for something would be better. You <laughs> yeah. know, and saying you know. I was falsely accused. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So, yeah. Just uh, gaps and time and. I mean, when you read this book, it's like you've jammed in so much in uh, like a whole lifetime. I feel. And in, do you ever feel like you know this is phase two of you're writing a whole new chapter? I mean. Well, yeah. The thing is, I always I, to talk about this when I talk about this book. Um, uh, it's it was an it was an exorcism. Really, it was really just something that I had to get out of my system. At, and it, before yeah, I could yeah. go on That's and do a really other things. good description. I love that. Because um, I wrote three other books prior to this, um, and I've done the whole rounds. I've had, I've, you know, I had, I had representation. I went to, back when there were more than just five publishing companies, you know, mm-hmm. back when there was, you know, all the gate, you know, Stonewall Press. And, right, right, You know, right. there were all those things. Oh, and, right, yeah. Yeah. yeah, there were all these places and all these venues to do these kinds of books, but nobody wanted to do an AIDS book. We have too many AIDS books. No, 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 no. And they weren't really mm-hmm. AIDS books, and I don't really think this one is either. No, um, this no. is a recovery book. Yeah. It's yeah. really kind of a recovery book. But I also wanted to give a little bit of, I also wanted it to be. In a way, um, my own AIDS memorial too. So it's yeah. So it's so it's so it, so yeah. I slip that in, but historical in many ways because you yeah. give us a history yeah. lesson on what. And I love the seventies. I just I always say if I could yeah. go back in seventies or eighties or you know I just yeah. love to and especially that re- area in the village. Yeah, 70s, it's so, so different. Rich. Oh god, so rich. just to know what it was like, know yeah. the yeah. old haunts, know these people, these yeah. characters. There's so many things I discovered that I couldn't even put in the book. And, and nobody, nobody. And quote that the Sheridan Theater was in that triangle. Yeah, no one knows that. 
you know, which just, is something he references in the right. Book. I mean, it, yeah. it was gone when when I got here, yeah. but you know, but I I knew. And Billy Holiday did there. one of her last concerts. Yeah, it was oh, a major thing, yeah. and I read about that too. Well, after they allowed her back, but if you look at that space, where do they fit that thing too? I mean, it's it was a it was an enormous movie palace, and you look at that seats, yeah, something like that. So I just thought of something that you wrote. I saw some pictures online of it. I looked it up. Oh, you can do more. I'll get more. Yeah, there's there's pictures because I've been posting them on my Instagram account as well. I thought of something um, because you, um, one of your jobs that you had um, back in the day was a phone sex. Yes. You were a phone sex I operator. Was, I was. I was, one of the, Bunny, I was one of the first ones. Yeah. And Lady Bunny high. was also one. She was. And she was. we love. It was. It was such a great time. What was that like? Was it just because, for those people that don't know, before the apps, before the, you know, classifieds and all that there was these phone sex lines 550 um, oh, tool yeah 976-550 tool and my favorite one was nine seven <laughs> just the ad my favorite 976 or 550 p the extra e, e is, is for, for extra, extra p. p yeah yeah we didn't, that wasn't ours that I wasn't mean, if you, ours if you turn on cable and you and you happen to catch robin bird yeah. um yeah. she has all those old, the old ones ads they have those on old, the old ads it's hysterical one. yeah yeah and which so they were these different. were ours were a little more highbrow than the p ones we did okay. we did 550 yeah, yeah. tool which was the heavy leather line we did 550 tvts which was the one where we hired bunny because she was just she would just get because initially when i was hired um, it was such a trip. I was, um, my boyfriend at the time, um, I had just, in the story, I jump off the High Line, and there was an outlaw party that Michael Ailig threw. Michael Ailig oh, is the yeah. one that killed his Party boy. monster? Mm-hmm. Party monster, right. He threw a party, he threw an outlaw party on the High Line, and I jumped from it following Raveno, who had jumped prior to me. Mm-hmm. I, you know, busted up my leg, oh. ended up in St. Vincent's, and then I was stuck in my, not stuck in, I went to my boyfriend's apartment, who was in like a five-flight walk-up. So I like recuperated basically up there, and he at one point he was just like, "All right, you got to get a job," and he brought the voice in. He slammed it, and at the time, this is when you got jobs. You look yeah. in the back of the voice. You got apartments and jobs in the back. Apartments of the and voice. jobs. I got Tuesday, my apartment in the voice. Tuesday yeah. afternoon, you'd wait at Astor Place when they dropped him off, and you'd be the first one to get the apartments. Yep. Wow, know? I love it. So he brought the voice in and said, "Find a job." And I remember I went through the back. I'm, I'm not gonna find a job. And I saw this one. Do you like, you know, d- does sex bother you? Do you like to talk on the phone, something like that? And I was just like, call this number. So I was like, oh, whatever. So I called the number, and this guy, Quendel, Kendall Morrison, who's now his name was he changed his name to Kendall Queer Morrison legally he was also the publisher of Outweek magazine which was mm-hmm. the first gay and lesbian weekly in New York mm-hmm. and um, and the act up voice organ basically okay and um, he started the lines he brought them down from Boston and started them here so the thing was part of the interview was that I had to talk sexy to him because people didn't know how to do phone sex lines in New York they knew how to do it in Boston but in New York they just wanted to get we together we were late to it well no we, wanted, no, we were just okay. more, we were more like New Yorkers like okay where do you live let's go they didn't say like what do you like yeah you like yeah, I'm slow touch, it yeah, down I'm a bit it there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you suck on my nipple yeah I love that oh yeah you know so get my balls get my balls oh yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm making me moist can you keep talking like that so that's how I got the job because he so I called him and he he answered and he was like, All right, so it's basically a phone sex line. You know what a phone sex line is? And I was like, I, I think so. And he said, Basically, there's about eight other people on the line, and you are the monitor. And I want you to stay on, basically, you stay on the line. And if people come on and go, Fuck you, fags, and you knock them out, you can just press the button and get rid of them because you can see who's talking about these little green lights. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really trippy because we'd turn the lights off at night, you know, and we'd, and oh, we'd you see the UN, we'd work for across from the UN Plaza, mm-hmm. and we would look at the UN at night and just of see all, all these green and red cry. lights flickering with all these voices, you know, these disconnected voices. What's going on over there? Yeah. Yeah. But we would get, you know, we would get crazy and tell stupid things. Like, I remember we'd get on there and, and, and either Bunny or my friend Chicklet would just say, because other, other, Queens worked there too. Chicklet. Chicklet, she was the best. She, uh, she would get on there and, you know, say like, um, we pretend we're two different people and we get on with the headsets and I'd get, you know, it's like, um, 
She'd say like, uh, we'd get on the tool line and she's, and I'd say, yeah, uh, uh, any Jewish tops out there? Hey, any Jewish tops out there? And she'd go, yeah, yeah, right here. Oh yeah. What's your name? And she'd go dreidel. <laughs> Stuff like really stupid things, so they would just ruin everybody's right, night. Right, like they're yeah, all and they're right. like jerking off. Uh, 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 you know, you yeah. We did. We just really to pass the yeah. time. And just yeah. to be, yeah, just to fuck be, with yeah. And you know, and if somebody sounded sexy, you know, you'd break them off and put them on a private line and talk to them for a while, and they'd be like, "God, it sounds really quiet. There's no one else talking." Yeah, there's no one else on here. So what's up? What are you into? You know, you just take them in. Your but yeah, we worked, and, and um, actually, I'm about to post an old ad that Bunny did on Instagram um, for the 550 TVST. I wish I could find the original ad, but this was an ad that she did. Um, it's 550 TVTS, Chicks with Dicks, and it's her, you know, with her arms back, wearing this bustier and jeans. Wow. And she's really young and thin and it's I genius. love it. I love she, it. She, she lives not, like, across the street from me on Greenwich Avenue. So. Yeah, yeah, that you were yeah. on the corner. That's where I used to. That, and they've, yeah. yeah. She's been there forever. And Bobby yeah. Miller used to live above her. Yeah. There, yeah. Yeah. Okay, you two talk offline. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> Tom, we could continue talking forever. <laughs> Unfortunately, we have to go, but oh, yeah, yeah. I so happy. I love this book so this much. This was a great I book. I mean, Thank it's you guys. it's it's such a an amazing read. It, I mean, it gives you such insight of what life was like in the village at St. Vincent's. Um, I just, I, I absolutely loved it. Yeah. And your personal story, I mean, thank you for being so real and honest and putting yourself out there like Blatant, that. Blatantly honest. In a, in a <laughs> beautiful way, in a beautiful yeah. way, really. I mean, it touched me. You, yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and, and that's hard to do, and it's hard to do it right. Um, the book reads very easily because you're, you're riveted to it. You're interested. What's going on next? What's happening next? And you know, I mean, Ar- Armistead Maupin, who wrote all the yes, tales of the city, tales of the city stuff. I mean, I, I people used to say, "Oh, I read your I read your books this weekend," you know, and he'd be like, "That's my entire life's work," and you read it in a weekend, you know. And I, right. I, I felt similar with your I book because I just yeah. went through it so quickly. The cast of characters you know, too. The is, cast of characters, yeah, and and they're all real people. They're real people, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's some of the what, some of the names have been changed because sure. I had to, of course. Right? You get it. But yeah. if you really want to know what the AIDS crisis was like in New York. Yeah. You know, at the height of the AIDS crisis from a person who lived through it, this is it. Which brings in family, and all, we all have those struggles with family yeah. and, and on so many levels, and you right. won't go into that, but read the book. But um, it's very moving and, and real. And, and it's, not, and a, so. and, and it's not, a, not a sad story. No, no. It's, it's really, oh, thank you. I really wanted to bring it's some not of because there was story. joy and there was There's a lot of joyous time. laughing yeah. moments. Uh, and, there, was, yeah. there was some funny times. Because I mean, the minute I, I, you know, myself included, for a long time, I could not, you know, read anything about AIDS or go to a play that was about AIDS. And, you know, uh, you, you don't want to be entertained by something that you just saw at the hospital three hours ago, mm-hmm. you know, the same thing or worse. You know, so it is not one of those books. No. It's a great book. Um, so can't see even so is, is, is it available you, on is it available electronically? It's available, well? yeah, it's available on um, on all digital platforms. So iBook, um, uh, Kindle, Nook, Amazon, all that stuff. Yep. Amazon. I prefer the book. The book has less typos. I can. Tell I love you. the. <laughs> I love the book um, because I really spent much more time. You're book, doing a release party, right? I'm doing a release party on June 1st at uh, the Bureau for General Services Queer Division, which is room 210 of the Center. Oh, cool. You know, the bookstore there? Have you, been, have you not been? It's great. It's down from the oh. Keith Herring bathroom up on the second nice. floor. There's the Keith Herring bathroom, which is always Hello, worth a visit. And, well, yeah. yeah, it actually used to be a bathroom. Yeah, now it's a meeting room. But now it's yeah. a meeting room, but when they, when they remodeled it. Uh, but it's the, the Keith Herring did this whole thing. It's called the, the, the Good Old Days. Once Upon a Time. Or Once Upon once a Time, upon yes. Time, yeah. and it's, still the Good Old Days. It's, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's very graphic, and it's about what sex was 
before AIDS. Yeah. Wow. It's, wow. it's, 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 it's awesome. It's, yeah, it's graphic and cute at the same time. Exactly. It's unbelievable what he it's can do. It's graphic in the sense that, you know, it's, 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 yes, there are people having sex. And, nice. and there's veiny cocks everywhere. There's veiny cocks. Yeah. And but they're cartoonish and wonderful. They're, yeah. they're the Keith well, Haring characters. Keith so. Yeah, we yeah. love them. Yeah. Love them. Yeah. 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 Um, and so it's down the hall from there, and they have right. copies. You can get it online as well um, through Amazon. Um, or just contact me, and I'll get you a what, copy. What time I on June it. 1st? June 1st from 7 to 9, Jojo Amarico is going to be doing some DJing okay. at first. Because um, I, I live around the corner from there, so I'm going to Oh, come please by. come by. Yeah, yeah. come by. Um, and I'm going to have pizzas from Two Boots. And Ooh, Two Boots pizza. Yeah. We love that. Awesome. <laughs> nice. Well, okay, so the book is available. It's called Ghosts of St. Vincent by Tom Eubanks, our guest today. How can people follow you? I know you're going to let me use some of your images um, that you yeah, post yeah. on Instagram um, from back in the day, but how do we follow you? Um, on Instagram, it's at Tomosphere, T O M U S. P-H-E-R-E. Got it. And we will list that. I'll list that on the website for everybody. Thank you. Um, The link farm. And the link farm for a lot of the things that we (laughs) mentioned today, including that movie, The Ritz. Yes. (laughs) And yeah, that needs to be a musical. That really needs to be a musical. You better write it. It does. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank Uh, you so much It's been such a pleasure. And I encourage everyone to read the book, Ghosts of St. Vincent, Tom Eubanks. Thank you so much. And Steve Carpenter, as always, thank you for being here. Thank you. It's been fun. As always, continue having hot gay sex, and we will talk to you next time. Don't forget, we are live on Wednesday, June 21st, Eastern Standard Time in New York on our Facebook page and our YouTube channel. It's facebook.com forward slash talk about gay sex, and you can subscribe to us on our YouTube channel. Just type in talk about gay sex. Both channels will be live streaming, but if you happen to be in New York City and want to attend the live broadcast with some of our past guests, email me, steve at talkaboutgaysex.com, and be sure and tweet any questions to at talkaboutgaysex on Twitter or post on our Facebook page. You can ask myself, my two co-hosts, or any questions, references from any past show, or address to any of our past special guests who many will be here on the live broadcast but for now continue having hot gay sex and join us next week for another new stimulating episode of talk about gay sex baseball fans bet mgm is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season step into the batter's box for bet mgm swing for the fences free to play game pick any area of the strike zone and take your best swing if you get a single double triple or home run you'll receive a prize smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us just log into your bet mgm sports account to get started then visit your promotion section to access the swing for the fences free to play game you'll score a prize if you hit a single double triple or home run there's nothing more exciting than going yard so swing for the fences with the king of sportsbooks bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly must be 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards vary depending on the market and expire 24 hours from issuance gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park